The New World Order. The New World Order. This is a conspiracy. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It is October 30th, Monday, and every Monday I give a Sunday review of the mainstream media. Talk a little bit about the articles that appear in the Sunday New York Times, and also... We'll take a peek at what was featured on CBS Face the Nation, and we'll take a look at the propaganda on CBS Sunday Morning. So on Face the Nation with Maggie Brennan, Republican Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio tells Face the Nation the truth about funding war. That the U.S. should not provide aid to Gaza because it goes to the governing authority there, which is Hamas. He says, quote, I fear... It's going to Hamas when they talk about funding. Um, Because not only is $16 billion going to go to Israel, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars is going to go to Hamas or to the Gaza Strip. And J.D. Vance goes on to say, otherwise you're funding both sides of the conflict. This is true. Why would someone fund both sides of a conflict? Also on CBS uh, Sunday Morning, they have a segment about Lewiston, Maine, where this past week, apparently 18 people were murdered with 13 more injured. And CBS correspondent Lee Cowan portrays the event as what is called the all too familiar cycle of gun violence. Is it the guns really, or is it something else? So we'll talk about that. Also, I'm going to dive into the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. So let's get into it. All right, first, we're going to take a look at the Sunday New York Times. First up is the main gunman disclosed he had mental health issues, gun shop owner says. The man sought to purchase a gun suppressor in August, and they're talking about card. Uh, the supposed shooter here, but was denied the item after he reported mental health issues on the federal forum, the gun store owner said. So unlike Sandy Hook, we actually have a news report interviewing the gun owner. So uh, (laughs) the shooter. So the shooter nearly, I'll just read the lead here by the article by Chelsea Rose Marcius. Nearly three months before Robert R. Card, uh, the second fatally shot 18 people, supposedly, he was never convicted in a court of law, so we don't know for sure, but we're being told. Nearly three months before Robert R. Card, the second fatally shot 18 people in Lewiston, Maine, a gunshot owner declined to let him complete his purchase of a firearm sound suppressor after he disclosed on the forum that he had mental health issues, the shop owner said in an interview Sunday. Um, see, this isn't completely true because what happened is he applied through the ATF for a a permit. It's really a permit, uh, to be allowed to purchase a suppressor or a silencer. If you didn't know they are legal, but you have to apply with the ATF. So, um, 
what happened was the ATF declined, apparently. The store owner didn't decline. He was declined to sell. See, what happened is he bought the suppressor somewhere else, and it's called a FFL. So what happens is he ordered it, he applied for it, and you you have to put your application in when you purchase the thing. So what happens is you're out the money, basically, if the ATF rejects your application. So the ATF rejected his application. So when he went in to pick up the silencer, the store owner said, you can't have the silencer. The ATF rejected your application, but he should, he would have known such a thing because usually the ATF lets you as the applicant know that no, you're not getting permission. But in any case, on August 5th, Mr. Car 40 went to pick up the suppressor for Coastal Defense Firearms in a neighboring town of Auburn, said Rick LaChapelle, the gun shop owner. Mr. LaChapelle said Mr. Card had bought the device, which quiets going, yeah, we know what a suppressor is. I want to get to the, the bottom of this article because it says here in September, so that was a month ago, Sheriff Joe Mary sent an alert to all law enforcement agencies so law all law enforcement agencies fbi atf in may or in maine excuse me after learning that mr card had made threats against the military facility he was assigned to in seiko the sheriff said in an interview on saturday it remains unclear whether other police agencies saw the alert so they made public that there is a mentally deficient individual who made threats and was committed for making those threats and he let all the law enforcement agencies know about this guy that he was that and that this guy had more likely had firearms so the rest of the article you don't really need to know what we do know is law enforcement officials knew that this guy was mentally deficient and had tried to get a silencer. Now, we don't really know what happens after that. We're told that this guy, Robert Card, committed the murders, but all we have is a one grainy photo of this guy with an AR-15, of course, supposedly in the bowling alley. So I have yet to see any witness testimony that said, yeah, I knew this guy, Robert Card, he came into the bowling alley and shot up everybody. I haven't seen that. That's the whole point, is you have to separate, and we're going to see with the CBS propaganda what, what you come down with, or what you come out with in the mainstream media is that they push out this narrative, AR-15, things are bad, people aren't bad. He was mentally deficient, so he could easily have been targeted either by law enforcement agencies as a patsy, or controlled in some way or form. It's it's unlikely, it's hard to say, if this guy was having some mental problems and he was prescribed uh, medication, uh, these medications can lead to, especially if they're antidepressants, this is proven that they could lead to homicidal ideation. And in some cases, uh, suicidal ideation. So, Moving on uh, to more to more mass shooting news, the New York Times uh, on Sunday also had this this article, 
Why did it skip? Excuse me, it just skipped over an article that this is the important thing. Also had, we still don't have answers. A Uvalde mother is now running for mayor of the town of Uvalde where that mass school shooting happened. The mass shooting, the schools shooting there. And the headline is, I have have to give credit to the New York Times, we still don't have answers. A Uvalde mother is running for mayor. After her daughter was killed in a mass shooting in Uvalde, Kimberly Maida Rubio figured it was time to get answers and help to hit, help the city heal. Um, basically, I don't want to get too much into this. Uh, the town has been bitter, bitterly divided in the aftermath of one of the nation's deadliest shootings. Her campaign, and see, this is the problem. Why do you have to, and she had a daughter that was killed. She just wants answers. And what everybody else tells you is that you can't talk about dead children. I don't care if you want answers. In her campaign, which she is uh, vying for a veteran local position at an elementary school art teacher, often serves as a reminder as a tragedy that somebody would blah, blah, blah. blah. I hate to go on to this um, because... It, it it goes off in a bunch of different directions. Basically, her point is, here it is, we still don't have answers. We still don't know the role everyone played then and what role everyone is playing now. He said, she said, of many ongoing investigations into the delayed police response by the local district attorneys and others. <laughs> she said, she also wants to bring the town together. Yeah, 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 of course she does. They wanted to add this in. So what you want to do is you temper people's accusations and statements by adding something else. Whether police officers who failed to confront the Uvalde gunmen should be fired or face criminal charges. I want to have the difficult conversation so that everybody feels heard. I am going to raising my children in this community. I want to bring the community back again, back together. So those were only the really the the two parts where they dwelled on the fact we still don't have answers. If you look at the video, there's some of the officers are using hand sanitizer and they're just standing around. One officer was on his cell phone. It seemed like a training exercise, which they did have at another school only two weeks, I believe is two weeks previous. So they still don't have answers. And then a bright light in a dark time, a new school for Uvalde. More than a year after the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School, the community broke ground on a new campus because those those schools have to be torn down. Just like Sandy Hook, the longest closed crime scene in American history. Uh, and the school was never investigated by anybody. Um, I mean, from the media, from the press, uh, that no one was allowed to go in there and see it. And then it was torn down much like 9-11 um, and the, uh, the World Trade Center towers in New York were torn down, nothing to see here. And, it, you know, in New York City, the remnants of the World Trade Center were dumped in the middle of the ocean. So they were disposed of. Also, the New York Times, Democrats splinter over Israel as young, diverse left rages at Biden, they're trying to sink Biden, obviously, and they know this will sink Biden. But the, the fact is, is that the the Democrat liberal socialist wing of politics in the United States usually doesn't have much cohesion. It has built cohesion after Black Lives Matter, after COVID, all this stuff. Um, 
uh, George Floyd, but now most of the left supports uh, Palestine or the Palestinian state, and even uh, to the point of some uh, supporting Hamas, which has pissed off secular Jews that are on the left. Um, and there are even some, not many, but some religious Jews that are on the left. Um, but, and most common people, you know, common people, common voters in the electorate, the taxpayer, and even politicians are finding out that people still have fervent uh, support for a Palestinian state despite the terrorist action by Hamas. I, I don't care because I'm not on the left. Uh, they I hope they splinter, but uh, Biden is surely in a big pickle, and I'll tell you more right here because for the same reason in Michigan, Muslim and Arab uh, American voters reconsider support for Biden. Many in the swing states say they feel betrayed by the president's support for Israel. Well, it's a nation's policy to support Israel, but... Uh, I think hugging Netanyahu was taking a little too far. Uh, plus, uh, the military support um, is seen as uh, a war ally uh, from the Arab community. So that's a big thing. So hugging Netanyahu, $16 billion in military aid, uh, among other things, among bombing uh, Syria. So that has highlighted the government stance, um, but you'll, as you'll see with J.D. Vance, we find out that they're funding both sides. So hundreds of millions of dollars is going to Hamas. Um, and they talk, they just make a distinction between, you know, fighters of Hamas and Hamas, the governing authority of the Gaza Strip. Um, they're the same thing. <laughs> Uh, there uh, and also in the New York Times, a new place to learn civics. The workplace fearing the rise distrust could spell doom for businesses. Some companies and offering employees lessons in democracy. It's not what the article is about. The, uh, this article by Melissa Eddy is about, uh, and in the newspaper, the uh, the headline was disinformation's impact on the workplace. The rise. Uh, so it was about disinformation's impact on the workplace. It's not about learning civics because you're not learning about the Constitution, branches of government, and all this stuff. You're learning about conspiracy theories. So as I dig into the article here, it's basically uh, about a German company. So what they talk about basically here, uh, let me just find the paragraph. Oh, it was, I think it was way down here. Yeah, uh, you saw a far-right party, the alternative for Germany, or the AFD has disrupted the country's political landscape. No, where is it? Talking about conspiracy theories, and I lost the... So they're basically trying to... Uh, businesses in Germany are trying to... Uh, propagandize, really re-educate their workforce, it was up here, um, not to move to the right or worry about right-wing conspiracy theories. It's not like companies come to us and say, we have a section where three racists are sitting. That would be completely unrealistic. Where's the thing about conspiracy theories? This is the same article, right? 
Oh, here it is. Seminars on civics and democratic principles, such as the importance of voting or recognizing the dangers of disinformation, conspiracy theories, and hate speech have become a way to ensure healthier relationships in the workplace. So they they cobbled together here civics and democratic principles, importance of voting or recognizing the dangers of conspiracy theories, and then it goes on down uh, to target right-wing, let's just say right-of-center political groups and basically discourage, discourage people from listening to them or showing support. I think it said it in the, uh, right, calling people Nazis or showing support for Russia, whip up emotion and further polarize a war-torn, world-torn over issues like Russia, war in Ukraine. Right, so it's it's basically re-education in the workplace and to inoculate you against political political ideas coming from conservatives or people right of center. They call it right wing. It's to scare you, especially in Germany, because if people think of right wing, they immediately think of the Nazis. For Mike Johnson, religion is at the forefront of uh, politics and policy. The new House Speaker has put his faith at the center of political career and aligned himself with a new, newer cohort of conservative Christianity that some describe as Christian nationalism. So they're trying to scare you with Mike Johnson. He's a religious conservative, if you want to say that, and, and he has the right to be so. So he is a person of faith. Um, but he aligns himself with Trump, and that's what they worry about. So they're attacking him as a Christian nationalist. And this is the problem why, the, this is one of the problems why they allowed him, this guy, to get voted in, because he's an easy target. And the reason is, is all they've been talking about for all this time about Christian nationalists and um, uh, what was that movie where the w- Christian nationalists were subjugating women? Um, yeah, I forget the name of the movie right now, but this is this is their wet dream that they can now call the right wing a bunch of Christian nationalists. Well, actually, the Christian right, uh, that aspect of the political block in this country has been diminishing over time. Most people just aren't religious and they don't follow uh, a faith, you know, conservative faith, fanatical faith. Most people temper their religion if they go, but most people aren't going to church. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but the the Southern Christian fanaticism, evangelical stuff is tied, has been tempered down quite a bit. And so it's unlikely you're going to see a political resurgence of that because most people are moderate when it comes to religion in this country, especially lesser people. Uh, and they're lesser people that follow a faith. Um, in the New York Times, as China looks to broker Gaza peace, anti-Semitism surges online. China's state-run media has blamed the United States for a deepening crisis while perpetuating tropes of Jewish control of American politics. So going from one to the other, uh, first we saw in Germany that everybody's called a Nazi or racist and that you're getting re-educated at work to... Um, what happened with Mike Johnson is he's being called a Christian nationalist, but people aren't paying attention to that the real racists are the homogeneous uh, 
aspect of China. Most Chinese are racist against colored people, Africans, and people that don't look like them for the most part. And apparently they're also anti-Semitic. Um, basically because they do are perpetuate tropes of Jewish people in America and they like to make fun because also they're they're trying to get on the side of the Arabs. You see, if you look the way BRICS is sh was shaping up or the alliance, uh, and there's a recent alliance with Saudi Arabia and China, they're shaping up their alliance. So they're not really gonna back uh, the Jewish state of Israel. They're on the other side. And so they help propagandize that by doing the, the tropes here that no one could ever get away with because you could be considered anti-Semite. So why do, it's a good thing that New York Times is pointing the finger at China, which they should. Uh, also from the New York Times business section, how automation has changed work for casino employees in Detroit. The actual headline for this in the newspaper was robots are pouring drinks, servers are striking. And so a bunch of people in Detroit uh, for cocktail servers and uh, hotel business keeper, housekeepers, the arrival of robotic technologies has made their job harder. They say it's part of why they're on strike. So they're striking, good for them. But it's the same thing uh, with uh, the movie stars and the, and the it's not really the writers as much as on-screen talent because they want to um, CGI, or AI generate actors so they don't have to pay them, especially secondary actors. And then they could keep using these people time and time again. Tom Hanks just sued, I think it was a, a pharmaceutical company for using his likeness as AI generated commercial. But we saw it uh, last week at Amazon uh, where humanoid robots uh, were taking over basically what people do at Amazon besides operating forklifts, but even robots do that, is that they move bins around. So now they have humanoid robots that move bins around, and now humanoid bartenders, uh, humanoid sex workers, it's coming. Now that you have the humanoid robot, uh, humans themselves will become obsolete because Robots don't need to take vacation. They don't need to go home to sleep. They don't need to take breaks. Um, they don't need to be compensated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Moving on to some other news. Uh, Kremlin's one-time pick to be Ukraine's puppet leader is shot in Crimea. Olgeg Tsaryov, a pro-Russian businessman and former lawmaker, a Ukrainian, by the way, have been said, so... <laughs> Kremlin's one-time pick to be Ukraine's puppet leader. I believe the headline in the newspaper was, no, this wasn't in the, yeah. So in any case, this guy was Ukrainian um, and he's said to be wounded in attack. Moscow's plan to set him up as the head of government in Kiev. Its invasion has succeeded. So it's the Ukrainian nationalists that tried to assassinate him, probably with aid of the CIA. Either or, more likely Ukrainian nationalists, um, the Nazis, the Ukrainian Nazis, or the Ukrainian uh, SS, you know, assassinate, it's a political assassination is what it is. So it's in Russian-controlled Crimea, but it's still a political assassination. Probably backed by the CIA, I would imagine. All right, a couple opinion pieces, and then I'm going to get to... Um, Face the nation, uh, Trumpism is running the house. 
And the actual headline in the newspaper was Trump extremists are now running the House. And this is by the editorial board. I don't need to get into it too much because they're just picking on, again, this is the second piece of the New York Times, picking on Mike Johnson, uh, uh, calling him a Christian nationalist. Um, He never said that everybody in America should be Christian. That's what Christian nationalism is, is you have a nation of Christians and every who people who aren't Christians, they don't, they don't get anything. They don't get to. It's like when you have an Islamic state, you know, everybody's going to abide by the Islamic rules. And so they're trying to scare people that things Christian don't believe in, particularly homosexuality, uh, prostitution, and those sorts of things. Those, um, you know, those are going to be forced upon you with a Christian nationalist. Um the Republicans in the House unanimously voted for a man who made it his mission to try to overturn the 2020 presidential election. It's not overturn, just contesting. See, when the Democrats do it, they contest it. Who put the political whims and needs of Donald Trump ahead of the interests and the will of the American people. Not true, just Republicans. A party that once cared deeply about America as the leader of the free world and believed in the strength, dependability, and bipartisan consensus of such a role required has largely given way to a party now devoted to extremism. What extremism? And is an active threat to the liberal values and American stability. All bullshit. All coming. If you look who makes up the editorial board, it's real hardcore leftists. Um, that's not true. Everybody wants America to be America. But we want it to, individuals be protected by the Constitution, large groups, states be protected by democracy. Another opinion piece by Ezra Klein, uh, the chief ideologist of the Silicon Valley elite has some strange ideas. Uh, The actual headline in that newspaper was disinformation, no, robots or the rise of reactionary futurism. And basically, this talks about this one guy, Mark uh, Andersen, the godfather of the uh, godfather of the web browser. Um, says it's time to get back to masculinity, which basically says he says people should be strong and resilient and individuals, and that uh, the group weakening of the weakening of the constitution of of Americans just in general. Um, is bad and people have to learn to fight for themselves and be, you know, uh, 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 as individuals uh, ensure their safety by being strong, both of strong mind and body. I'm not going to go into this whole article. So they have a problem with that. The enemy, in other words, is anything or anyone who might seek to yoke technology or social goals or structures who would erect guardrails or impose limits on John Galt's of tomorrow. So if you don't know when John Galt is, that is from Ayn Rand's um, uh, book, um, Atlas Shrugged. So if you don't know anything about libertarianism and individualism, uh, Ayn Rand uh, espouses those things. She's a terrible author, really, but her books are well-liked by conservatives because they deal mostly with uh, strong individuals. So going on uh, from there. And now we're just going to, you know, one strong individual is J.D. Vance, um, and he's going to talk about what is going on in Gaza and whether or not we should be bundling funding bills that include things uh, that have waning support like Ukraine, Ukraine, 
and um, whether uh, Israel should get $18 billion or whether the border should get $18 billion. Um, so he wants to split all those up and finance them separately or have uh, discussions and votes on them separately, but also, which brings into question the funding for Gaza, why are we funding both sides? Now, $16 billion is going to Israel, but we send hundreds of millions uh, to Gaza as well. So let's uh, listen to Judy. We don't want to basically fund two sides of the exact same conflict. Ohio Republican Senator J.D. Vance, President Biden asked for $106 billion in aid from Congress. Hey. Ukraine, Israel, the border, and countering China. I'm surprised as a Republican that the issue you're talking the most about is not the U.S. border. What? Why? Well, we care a lot about the border, of course, but what I'm saying is that we should divide the packages and actually have distinct debates on each one of these questions, especially the Israel issue, for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, Israel needs the aid, and they need it immediately. Second of all, there's broad bipartisan consensus that we should be supporting Israel. And third, and most importantly, we're stretched way too thin. Uh, the president's budget request betrays a fundamental misunderstanding, I think, of the challenges in the country. We cannot support a three-pronged conflict in the war. We don't make enough weapons. Our manufacturing capacity is too weak. We need to pick and choose. To pick and choose, Congress has, needs to have a real debate, not collapse these packages together and pretend we can do everything at once. We can't. So let's unpack some of what you said there, because um, you are talking about the exact same amount for Israel that President Biden is talking about. Sure. It's roughly $14 billion. Um, but you've removed humanitarian assistance to Gaza. Leader McConnell was on this program last Sunday, and he supports the package. <laughs> Here's what he said. Well, we want to make sure we're not sending money to Hamas. Who delivers the humanitarian assistance? Fundamentally, Hamas is in control of the entire territory. So if you deliver a large amount of humanitarian assistance, who's it going to go to? The children in Gaza or to the Hamas fighters on the front line? But I think there's still a lot of evidence with a lot of these international organizations that when we send aid into Gaza, a lot of it goes into the wrong hands. And that's what those of us who are critical of the president's posture are really worrying about. We don't want to basically fund two sides of the exact same conflict. <laughs> fund Hamas, fund Israel. Seems like a really bad deal for American taxpayers. Most of all, it's just stupid. Well, it's not aid to Hamas. What? It's aid to hey. the Palestinian people. Sure. And, and look, a million it, of which are children. And if I could wave a magic wand and give aid to the Palestinian children, I will. But given the realities on the ground, I think if we divert resources to Gaza, it's going to fall in the wrong hands. Um, I think that we should be trying to de-escalate the situation. Of course, certain militia groups have attacked, and I think we've done the right thing, a proportionate response. If they hit us, we have to hit them back. But if you're talking about an attack on the Iranian mainland, mm -hmm. I think that would be a significant escalation. Right now, it would be a mistake. Uh, the goal here is not to have an this unlimited response, an unlimited response here. The Israelis themselves, I think, have scoped the operation. They seem to be targeting a very narrow thing, which is degrading Hamas. I think we have to have some respect for our Israeli allies that they know what they're doing in their own country. One place you sure. be very clear that you aren't giving them the benefit of the doubt, and that is to Ukraine. We just right. heard the new House Speaker. You have some similarities with him in terms of separating out Israel aid from Correct. Ukraine aid. Well, nothing is objectionable in the sense that if I could wave a magic wand and throw Putin out of Ukraine, I would. But what we have to accept is there's a difference between what should happen and what can happen. We have a rising threat of China. May I talk about 
there are weapons the Taiwanese need that we can't send because we sent them to Ukraine. So to your we have to focus this particular policy. We have to be careful, Margaret. We have to remember that we cannot flip the switch and turn back on America's industrial might overnight. We don't have enough capacity to support a three-front war. We've got to focus, and I think we should be focusing on Israel and Taiwan. We don't want to basically fund two sides of the exact same conflict. Fund Hamas, fund Israel. Seems like a really bad deal for American taxpayers. Most of all, it's just stupid. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he, <laughs> J.D. Vance is great. Um, really talking about what is the most important thing here, which is spending the U.S. taxpayer dollar and where it's going to go. So we shouldn't be funding Ukraine, first of all, because the provocation from NATO is the reason this whole war started. And so going full throttle into a war that could turn, uh, could turn nuclear is, is disturbing. And also uh, moving into World War III is starting a, a big or wider war in the Middle East. I think uh, uh, supporting Israel is in the cards, but to what end and to what length? I mean, we already give them $6 billion a year in assistance, and now we're going to add another $16 billion. Uh, I think that's above and beyond. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars going to Hamas and $6 billion going to Israel. What about the people in the United States? Um, we have a lot to take care of here also. So moving on to the CBS News propaganda, there's just a quick thing on uh, the shoot, latest shooting in Maine, which there's still a lot of questions. We don't know how many rounds were shot at each location. Um, if he was able to get from one location to the other in four minutes, uh, like they said he did. So we're basically deciding whether Robert Card is the actual shooter, because of course, magically, even though he evaded police, um, unlike uh, uh, Jokar Sar Sarnayev from the Boston bombing, um, when he was confronted by police, he didn't kill himself. So this guy evaded police, but he shot himself anyway, uh, why these people with no motive to commit these crimes uh, go and shoot themselves, we don't know. Um, but one question is clear. Uh, one thing about these mass shootings is clear is that pharmaceuticals might have something to do with it because apparently antidepressants and also uh, psychoactive drugs can cause, as one of their side effects, which apparently is pretty common, suicidal or homicidal ideation. If you don't know what that is, that's basically you get ideas in your head about killing people or yourself or both. So what is more likely to blame um, the person who is drugged up on drugs that cause this mental illness or this need or want to kill uh, other people and then themselves or is it firearms? Well, they want to blame it on the latter, but I believe more than likely there might also be some nefarious actors involved, but it might also certainly be the former. All right, let's, let's listen in. Even though mass shootings take up only a tiny fraction of the annual firearm deaths in this country. You're shooting a gun. Too many times we've had to bring you the story that follows. The gunman gave the Lewiston area the sad distinction of being the site of the country's deadliest mass shooting so far this year. 
18 victims, 13 more injured. The killer was nowhere to be found. What? Residents were afraid to leave their homes until the perpetrator was finally found dead himself. The problem is, is even though mass shootings take up only a tiny fraction of the annual firearm deaths in this country, they still take up a pretty big chunk of our public consciousness. We look over our shoulders, perhaps more than we even realize it. Some of us even avoid the kind of places where shootings have happened, but it's impossible, of course, because they happen everywhere, from schools to grocery stores to a bowl. You know, it's one thing to read the information or to watch the news, but to say out loud to an audience that 18 people are confirmed dead, it's entirely different when you open your mouth and try to say it as though it's, it's just a fact. What? But that's what mass shootings have become, a fact of life in this country that leaves us all, if not on edge, at least uncomfortably aware. Bang. 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 Somebody please get this man a gun. All right. <laughs> you know where I stand on gun rights. Yeah, all the research shows that if these people were on psychotic medication, uh, psychoactive medication that causes homicidal and suicidal ideation, then that's probably the cause. It's the mixture of the two, so, you know, I don't think people on that are on psychoactive drugs, particularly made the, by these pharmacies, maybe they shouldn't have firearms. If they cause homicidal ideation, probably not. I don't know. So that's it for me. Don't forget to engage the channel, like the podcast, subscribe, share, leave a comment down below. Don't forget you're under attack psychologically, biologically, chemically, through pharmaceuticals. Stay hip to the trick. I'll see you tomorrow. Revelation. You can't handle the truth.